Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us here this morning at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our series this morning on such a great salvation. Excuse me, we'll be concluding our, our mini-series within the series today on talk about healing, and we'll get to prosperity, uh, talk about that next week. I'll talk about that in just a few moments. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at LighthouseDiscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, we also want to thank, thank, you, thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website again at LighthouseDiscipleship.org. And uh, at the top right-hand corner, it says Give. It's highlighted in blue. You can give from anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom, on the foot of every page, is our mailing address. And if you're in, in the United States, just so you know, your tax donations are 100% tax deductible, as we are a 501 church. So, uh, without ado, I do want to apologize. We did miss last week. It was an impromptu decision, and we apologize for that for our regular followers. We have over 14,000 people who watch us every week. And in, in the eight years we've been in this church, we have never canceled a service for anything of this nature, but we just... Uh, We've been working a lot of hours through our business and different things, and so we just were exhausted last weekend. And we just felt it was better for us to just take a, lack of a better term, a Sabbath, and just uh, rest and be with God and be with each other and, uh, and, and, and uh, refresh. We have gotten refreshed. I can't say we're fully up the uh, optimum on that, but at the same point in time, we're here. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't, we normally don't cancel end services for any reason, uh, and let alone especially Sunday, uh, but we just felt the need, and we prayed about it, we felt good about it, and so we did that, and so we apologize, uh, but we're back here in the saddle uh, this morning, and so here we are, and uh, we've been talking about such a great salvation for several months, okay, and so pretty much almost all year we've been talking about this. And we started by talking about how salvation is a gift. We talked about the purpose of salvation, and we talked about the necessity of salvation. And then we've been talking really for the last several months about the benefits of salvation. We spent about a month and a half to talk about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to wholeness. And then we've been spending several months on the benefits of salvation in regards to healing, and we're going to be bringing that segment of our teaching to a close uh, this morning if, if things go as planned. And then starting, <coughs> excuse me, starting next week, we're going to start talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. I know this is a sore subject for some people because there's a lot of misconstrued concepts and teachings about this. And because there's such confusion about this, uh, we need to talk about it. So we clear up that confusion and how it relates to our salvation. Prosperity is not just about finances, but it doesn't exclude it either. And we're going to talk more about that in the next few weeks. As we, as we round our third base on this series on such a great salvation. And this whole fourth point that we've been on for months now, uh, the benefits of salvation. So again, we're going to conclude this segment this morning on the benefits of salvation, how we, it relates to healing. And how I want to conclude this segment of our teaching on, on salvation and healing is I want to talk about walking in divine health. Okay? And in doing that, let's go to our key verse that we did to start out this mini-series. And that's from 3 John chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. We'll start at verse 2. 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. We'll come back to this next week or in future weeks. <coughs> Excuse me. Even as thy soul prospers. Our prosperity, which we'll talk more about later, and health are directly connected to our soul. And we talk a lot about our soul when we talk about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to wholeness. Several months ago, okay? And our soul is our mind, will, and emotions, okay? But just because you have heard the message over the last several weeks and months on salvation and healing, these past several months on, on healing, if I just read my slide, does not mean that you've had your mind renewed to God's word to heal. You might have heard it. You might have believed it. It might have... It might have inspired you. It might have encouraged you. It, you might have learned some things. You might have agreed with it. And you have nothing, no disagreement with it. But you haven't necessarily renewed your mind to it completely. Okay? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We have to take time, seed time and harvest, to renew our minds. That takes time. We, have to, we are to accumulate our lives to God's word and God's plan. We're to accumulate our, our lives to God's will, his kingdom. Okay? Everything in this world is testifying against God prospering you. Everything in this world is testifying against God's will for you to be healed and to be in health. So you have to constantly... Renew your minds to the Word of God, to the Kingdom of God, to the will of God in regards to healing. This also applies to any other segment we talked about, uh, prosperity, wholeness, or whatnot. Okay? Third John continues, says, For I rejoice greatly with the brethren that came and testified the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And as a pastor, that's my greatest joy, is seeing that you are walking in the truth. Okay? That you are walking not only in healing and prosperity, whatever you need if you need a miracle, but also that you're walking in the blessing of God. That you're walking in divine health where you don't need a healing. Okay? And, and you don't need a miracle. Okay? Because I believe that's God's will for you and me. That we would walk in divine health and we would walk in the blessing of God. Okay? I believe God has something greater than healing, even though I've been talking about healing over the last several months. Okay? God wants you healthy. He wants you healed, but he wants you healthy so you don't even need a healing. Okay? This is not a condemnation or put down anyone who needs a healing, okay? If you need a healing, get healed. Okay? But I believe God has something even greater than that. Again, 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. And that's what I'm capitalizing this morning on in my message. Health is greater than healing. Nothing wrong with getting healing. I've been talking about this for months. Okay? But health is greater. Not needing the healing is better than being healed. Okay? And God has something greater than a miracle. There's nothing wrong with miracles. We believe in miracles. We have seen miracles. Okay? But we, and we believe in healing. We believe in miracles. But health is greater than healing. The blessing of God in your life is greater than miracles. Because while we will all need miracles from time to time, and that's all of us, including myself, a miracle requires a crisis. 
And I don't want to live from crisis to crisis, and therefore miracle to miracle. I want to walk in divine health and the blessing of God, okay? And I know we still live in the fallen world, so this may not be perfect for any of us. But that is God's will, and that's the way it will be in heaven. But I believe that we can't today the day of salvation. And we've been talking about salvation in this whole series for almost a year now. I believe God wants us to walk in divine health and healing. I have not been, I, have, I know I have this cough that lingers from my asthma, but I have not been sick since 2009. When I say I haven't been sick, I haven't been sick with the cold, with the flu, of anything of that nature. I've never had COVID. I don't plan on having COVID. Okay? If I do get any of those things, okay, then I know how to get healed. But I believe that I, I've been, for the most part, I've been walking to my health. I also have a hearing deficiency. I've had that since my early age and possibly since birth. Excuse me. Doctors don't know that. I took time off last week, canceled this whole service. Not because I was sick, but because I was tired. I worked too much. I worked over 100 hours that week. Okay? That is crazy. That is not healthy. It's not healthy to work that many hours. And so, therefore, I need to, need to uh, refresh. We even talked about this a little while ago, a few weeks ago, when we talked about Epictetus. I know if I'm saying wrong, well, but he worked too much in the ministry that he got sick. I didn't get sick. But I knew if I didn't slow down, I would. And I could, or I could. Okay? I'd rather walk in the blessing of God than to need a miracle. Now, I would rather you walk in the blessing of God than to need a miracle. But if you need a miracle, let's pray for you. Let's get it. There's nothing wrong with being a miracle. There's no condemnation here. My point, but I'm still making a point, that there's something greater than needing a miracle or needing a healing, and that's walking in the divine blessing of God. That's walking in divine health. I'd rather walk in divine health that you need a healing. So this morning I'm going to talk about five things that bring health in our lives. Five things that will help you walk in divine health. I'm not saying these are the only five, but these are five things we're going to talk about this morning. Okay? The first one is the Word of God. <coughs> Excuse me. The Word of God brings health in our lives. You and I need to apply ourselves to God's Word, and we need to apply God's Word to ourselves. Can I say that again? You need to apply yourself to God's Word, and you need to apply God's Word to yourself. Okay? Psalm 107, verse 20 says, He set His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now, you and I may not understand all of the details of what we just read in Psalm 107, verse 20, but I base my entire life on that truth. I believe God, ha I believe God has sent His Word, and I do not believe it will return to Him void. What I'm referring to right now is Isaiah 55, and we'll look at that in just a few moments. Excuse me. Okay, but I want to say this point again. I believe God sent his word to heal us and deliver us from our destructions. Deliverance is also a definition of the word salvation in the Greek and the Hebrew. Just like healing and prosperity are definitions of the word salvation in both the Greek and the Hebrew. I believe God has sent his word and his, I do not believe that his word will return to him void. I believe his word will accomplish Without what he pleases and for the reason why he sent it. I believe it will prosper wherever he sends his word. Okay? 
God sent his word into my heart and into your heart. And I believe that God sent it to prosper in my heart and in your heart so that you and I walk in the truth. That we are prosperous and health as our soul prospers. God sent his word into my life and your life and it will prosper in my life and in your life. God's word is powerful. Okay? And God's word has an effect on every area of my life. And I want it to have an effect on every area of your life, including your health, including your, 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 your provisions, including your relationships, including your marriage, including your business and your jobs, including your kids, including everything that concerns you. When I apply myself to the Word of God, and when I apply the Word of God to every area of my life, I'm going to see health. I'm going to see wholeness. I'm going to see deliverance. I'm going to see prosperity. And everything I just said is our definitions of the word salvation in both the Hebrew and the Greek. Again, one of, Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word and He healed them and delivered them from their destruction." I don't just read the Word of God. I don't just quote the Word of God. Those are all good things. I believe. I believe the Word of God. Okay? And I apply His Word. I give thanks for His Word. I have a personal relationship with the Word of God. The Word of God is not the ink. The Word of God is a person. His name is called Jesus. And I have a relationship with with God, the living word. Okay? When I apply myself to the word of God, and when I apply the word of God to every area of my life, daily, not just yesterday, it's our daily bread, I'm going to see wholeness. I'm going to see deliverance. I'm going to see prosperity and healing and everything that's provided for me in salvation, and we're still talking about healing. Okay? Proverbs 4.20 says this, 21, says, my son, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. We are the caretakers of that. We are, uh, we are the guardians of his word, not only being sown into our hearts, but also that it stays in our heart. Hearing, God, hearing God's word is good, okay? But hearing God's word is not enough. You must Put God's word in your heart. You must keep God's word in your heart. Many people believe that just agreeing with what I'm saying is enough to change your life. It's a start. It's a major start. It's more than many. Okay? And I'm not saying don't do that. We need to be in agreement with the word of God. But it's not enough. We need to renew our minds to the Word of God. We need to apply it. We need to change the way we're thinking. <coughs> we need to meditate on the Word of God and stop meditating on our problems. Okay? We've got to renew our minds. The word renew, if you study out in the Greek, means to renovate. We have to renovate our minds to the Word of God that He wants you healed, that He wants you whole. We have to renew our minds to, let me go back a couple slides. We have to renew our minds to the Word of God. We need to renew our minds to His, his, his will to heal us. <coughs> Excuse me. We need to renew our minds 
to the grace and the goodness of God. Okay? We, but if you don't keep his word in your heart, the enemy will steal that seed. This is the parable of the sower. Jesus said the parable of the sower is the parable of all parables. If you don't understand that parable, you can't understand any of the parables. And the parable of the sower, the first, the first level is that the sower sows the seed and some falls on the pavement. It doesn't even get into the soil. The soil is your heart. The seed is God's word. And some of it falls on the pavement. And the, the ones that fall on the wayside is where the enemy comes and just steals the seed. If we don't get it in our hearts, if we don't meditate, if we don't let it germinate and gestate into our hearts, if we are not keeping it in our hearts, if we're not even getting it in there, it's just on the wayside, the enemy will come and steal that word. Okay? And so, but... For they are life to those who find them, and health to all. It goes on, so, uh, verse 22, excuse me, Proverbs 4, we read verse 20, 21. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Your body is flesh, okay? And it says all your flesh. Not just some of them, not just some things. He can heal all your flesh. The Word of God is not just spiritual, and it is. It's spirit, and it is life. But the Word of God is also health to your flesh. He goes on to say, and I got, I got, I got the verses wrong here. This is verse 23. Excuse me for all that. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issue of life. Keep it. You, that's your job. Keep it in your heart with all diligence. Because out of your heart springs all the issues of life. Not just some of them. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on with your neighbor, your spouse, your kids, your dog. It, all the issues of life flow from your heart. From your life. And you've got to keep your heart with all diligence. Many people do not understand the power of their heart's effect on their health. And we're going to be getting into this a little deeper in just a moment. Okay, and let me say this again. Many people do not understand the power of their hearts and how it affects their wealth, health and how it even affects their wealth. And we'll get into that later. And, then, and how it affects their relationships, both in their marriage, with their kids, with their parents, with their spouse, with their enemies, with everybody else. Okay? Keep your heart with diligence because out of it flows all the issues of life. We all need to guard our hearts. We all need to keep our hearts. We all need to keep our eyes focused on God and His Word. What did He say? I understand the situation is this. I understand the doctor said this. I understand your bank account says this. But what did God say? That's what we have to keep our focus on. That's where we have to keep in God our hearts too. I understand everybody else, including maybe your own flesh, is screaming something else. But what did God say? We have to keep our focus on the Word of God. We have to keep our focus on the promises of God. Okay? We all need to keep listening to the Word of God in season and out of season. We all need to be encouraged by God's Word. We all need to hear what God is saying. When all the other voices, including your own, are saying something contrary to the Word of God. And this is called this a discipline. It's called discipleship. Okay? I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about the grace and mercy and power and love and nature of God. 
I'm talking about putting his word in your heart. I'm talking about keeping his your word, his word in your heart. I'm talking about guarding your, his word in your heart. And his word will affecting your entire life, including your walking in divine health. And I could change the subject and talk about prosperity, wisdom, and all different things of that nature. Most of us who are listening to this message believe in God. We believe in Jesus. We believe the Word of God. We believe in prayer. We believe in healing. And then we believe in miracles. And the list can go on and on and on. But Proverbs 4, 20 23, what we just read, it says, His Word is life to those who find it. His Word brings health to our bodies, to our flesh. And we need to guard our hearts above all else. Okay? <clears throat> His Word... Okay, that's a repeat. Sorry. And, and with, and with, uh, sorry, let me read, sorry, I got confused with my own notes. We need to guard our hearts above all else with God's word. Okay? It's God's word that keeps your heart. If, if we choose, if we just choose to focus on the word of God instead of the storm, instead of the problem, instead of what our flesh is saying, instead of what our body is saying, instead of what our lab work is saying, instead of what our bank account is saying, instead of what the government is saying, instead of what other people are saying, we need to focus on what God is saying. God's word, we need to focus on, and when I say we need to focus on God's word, <coughs> excuse me, we need to focus on the goodness of God. We need to focus on the promises of God. We need to focus on the will of God. We need to focus on the plan of God. We need to focus on the faithfulness of God. Okay? When you, when you focus on that, it keeps your heart. So that the issues of life begin to change. How many of you know the word of God will never change? But your circumstance, your health, your body, your finances, your relationships... Everything that concerns your life, all the issues of life, can change. And the Word of God has the power to change it. How do you know it only takes one word from God to change everything in your life? Just one word. And your, the Word of God will never change. But at all your circumstances, I don't care how bleak it is. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how complex it is. I don't care how many generations it's been going. It might have been going on for decades, for years, for centuries. It might have been going on since Adam, but it can change. And the Word of God can change it if we believe it. All things are possible for those who believe. Isaiah said, We come here, where the rain comes down and the snow from heaven. Do, uh, snow, uh, uh, let me start over. For the, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And we're going to come back to that. Actually, I'm going to go there right now. Excuse me, in my notes. So we know this. God's word does not return to him void. That's what the passage is saying as we get, we get to verse 11. His word does not return to him void. I quoted that just a minute ago. But I'm going to capitalize on this part right here. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Okay? I'm sowing God's word right now as I'm speaking. We just read, even with Isaiah 55, verse 10, okay? But you have to apply that word into your situation and to your heart, okay? You, I can teach it, I can sow it, but you have to plant his word in all of your problems and situations, 
all the issues of your life. I can't do that planting for you. I can sow the seed, but I can't plant the seed in your heart for you. Okay? You have to do that. That's your job. Okay? I'm giving you seed right now. I mean, it can be reversed. You're preaching and I'm seed, and so it can be reversed. But right now, I'm talking. I'm the, right now, I'm the one preaching, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm painting the picture with, this, outer, with this, this setup, because that's the setup right now. You need to plant the seed, the Word of God, into your heart that I'm preaching. Okay? Later, you might hear another preacher. The same thing goes there. You need to guard your heart with the seed that's been sown in your heart. And through prayer, sow that seed into your problems. Apply the word of God that I'm preaching right now and apply it to your issues, whatever they are. And granted, I'm sure we all have issues, okay? Now, you need to feed on that seed daily because it's bread. He gives seed to the sower and bread for the eater. We don't just sow the seed, we also need to eat the bread. Because the seed will produce bread. And you need to feed daily on that bread. Again, it says, he gives seed to the seller and bread to the eater. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone preach on this part before. But a lot of times we focus on seed to the seller, but when are we going to eat the bread? When are we going to eat the manna? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Okay? His word his seed that you sow into your problems. His word is also bread. His answer that we meditate. When I talk about eating it, we're meditating. We're so we're chewing on it. We're like a child, a cow chews its cud. We are chewing. We are meditating. We are not only sowing that seed into our problems, we are meditating on the answer, on the solution to our problems. Day in and day out till we see a resolve. Am I making sense this morning? Okay. This is how you keep your work. This is how you keep your heart. Okay? Every area of your life will be profoundly affected if you do this. And when you make these choices on a daily basis, when you do what I'm talking about right now on a daily bread, you sow it into your situations. You speak to your situations, the word of God. You say, finances, you will increase. Body, you will be whole. Cough, you will be gone in Jesus' name. You sow it, and you meditate on it, you chew on it, you digest it, and you, if you have to, like a cow chooses to cut, you do it again, and again, and again, and again, just like Satan is going to buffet you with problems, you're going to buffet your problems with the Word of God. Okay? You're applying God's Word to your life. And those situations, that cough, different things, will bow to the Word of God, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Okay? And so he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You know, this is why I like the parable of the sower, which I've already talked about. But in the parable of the sower, it's a parable of all parables. You must sow his word into your heart first and then into your problem. And you sow and keep it into your heart by eating it, by chewing, by digesting, by partaking of his body that was broken for you. Okay? Jesus quote, I mean, Jesus even quoted this to Satan in the temp, one of the temptations. But he answered and said to Satan, It is written, Man shall not, li, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's quoting Deuteronomy right here. 
but he's talking right to Satan in words and temptations. Verse 11, which I've talked about many times already, so shall my word be that I go forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I plead, and it shall prosper in the thing which I send it. So I could go on and on. I could preach a whole series on what I'm just talking about right now. Uh, so we talk about the Word of God brings health to our lives. Now I'm going to bring in a new one that some of you probably never, not expecting from me this morning, but I just call laughter. Laughter brings health in our lives. Some of us need to learn need to be retaught, or some of us need to be taught for the first time. We need to be taught to laugh. Okay? Some of us are, have gotten too religious and you have forgotten how to laugh. Religion and legalism, I could go on and on about this, but brings you into bondage, makes you mean and mad all the time, it messes your life up, and I can go on and on about this, this is not an exhaustive list, but pure Christianity is joy unspeakable. To quote Peter. Okay? Nehemiah says it this way. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is strength in laughter. There is power in laughter. <coughs> Excuse me. There is power in a merry heart. That's rejoicing. Okay? And you have to guard your heart and not take life too serious. Some of you take yourselves too serious and life too serious. And, you let, and yet your life is just a mess. Your emotions are a mess. Some of you never smile. Some of you never laugh. Some of you have no Joy of the Lord for the spirit of heaviness. And it is killing you. Proverbs 17.22 says this. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Let me split this up. We'll deal with the latter part in just a moment. Medicine is not bad. Doctors are not bad. So I'm never going to encourage you to not see the doctor and take medicine. Okay? Um, I can expand on that. That is not my job. Okay? But they just can't become your source for a healthy life. Your doctor and your medicine cabinet, your prescriptions cannot be your source for a healthy life. Okay? I mean, if you come into our house and you can ask for a Tylenol or aspirin, you won't find it. We don't have anything in our medicine cabinet. The only thing we have in our medicine cabinet is deodorant, toothpaste, and stuff like that. Okay? And so, uh, what not? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Joy will not do more for you than a cabinet full of drugs. Okay? And this, I'm not condemning you if you are taking medicines or seeing a doctor. That's not what this is about right now. Okay? But some of you, your bathroom has become a pharmacy. I mean, there's some people, you have so many medications. Okay? And, anyway, I don't, I don't want to go too deep with that. You are so addicted and dependent on the drugs that you're taking. And again, I'm not telling you what to do with that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not practicing medicine right here. Okay? 
But you are not living in the kind of life God wants you to live when you are so dependent on that day in, year in, and year out, decade in, and decade in, decade out. My heart for you as a pastor is for you to walk in divine health. And a merry heart does, doeth good like a medicine. Some of you just need to learn to laugh. Now, I'm reminded of a show that Sherry and I have watched many times, Anne of Green Gables, and, and uh, I think it's in the sequel, the movie, and I know much Sherry has read the books, but there's a time where Anne is seeing this uh, late, late, elderly lady, I forget what her role is, but she just finally opens the curtains, opens the windows, lets the light in, changes the music, changes the song, and she's trying to make a pleasant, lively, laughing atmosphere. Instead of that depressing house that was dark and gringy and all that. But it goes on to say, but a broken spirit, that's different than a merry heart, dries the bones. Brokenness dries up your bones. What does that mean? Do you know that your bones is where your marrow is? And marrow is what produces your blood. Okay, it says in Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. When you don't guard your heart, when you don't keep your heart, this will affect your heart. Which affects your marrow, which affects your blood, which in time will affect your health. Is that making sense? Okay. That's the Word of God. I didn't teach that. The Word of God says it. It says it drives the bones. Well, what's in the bones? Tomorrow. What, what's, what's tomorrow? Tomorrow brings blood. If you don't have good blood, you're not going to have a good heart, and you're not going to be healthy. You understand how that works? Third John, again. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou prosper and be in health. But if your bones are dry because of a broken heart, you are not going to be, or you're already not, in health. Brokenness is not health. Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. He said he get the spirit of joy for the spirit of heaviness. Okay? He goes on to say, I want you to walk in the truth. And if you are broken, you're not walking in the truth. Whatever has made you broken, you need to be whole. Okay? And I have no greater joy than to hear that you are walking in the truth. You need to learn to laugh. And some of you, <coughs> I hope you heard me good, you need to learn to laugh at yourself. Okay? You need to learn to maintain a merry heart, or your heart will get sick with depression and with brokenness. Some of you need to stop taking everything too serious, and some of you need to learn to laugh at life. Some of you, some of the things I deal with as a pastor, just for my role for a second, let me talk about me, it's not just life and death, but we're talking about internal issues with some people. Okay. And if I don't learn to laugh, it will mess me up. It will make me go crazy. And it's, it's had the verge of time. There's been times it had broken me, I mean, it had ripped me to shreds. And I have to make sure that I, I got to guard my, keep my heart. Okay? 
Some of you have serious vocations. Police officers, doctors, nurses, firefighters, military. And there's other, other vocations too. And we, we, we salute you. Okay? We commend you for what you're doing. But if you don't learn to laugh, it will mess your heart up. Some of you need to learn to laugh at life. My wife, Sherry, and I, we laugh all the time. You should hear it. You should be a bug in the wall and hear our conversations. Some of them are just flat out silly nonsense. But we learn to laugh. We laugh at ourselves. We laugh at one another, not in a malicious, spiteful way, but with just a lighthearted way. Okay? We laugh at each other. We laugh at our dog. Okay? We laugh at crazy people. EGR, extra grace required people. Okay? We laugh at our government. Some of the some of the stuff that's going on in our world are just pure evil. And we just laugh at it. Because we know our God. And we're not gonna let it. I'm not saying that we don't deal with it. I'm not saying we don't get involved to a certain measure. You know, speak up and, and vote and do different things that we can do as a citizen of society. But we're not going to let it mess our heart up. We're not going to let it get us all in fear and, and, and wrath and messed up. Okay? Yes, you have problems. Okay? Yes, you have issues. Yes. Our government is evil, and some of your governments are evil too. It's not probably all of them. But some, but some of you need to learn to stop and consider the lilies of the fields and the fowls of the air. Excuse me, I should have said air. For God has been good, so good to you. Again, pardon me for my slide. We need to develop a merry heart. We, and be glad. We need a spirit of gladness. When, you know, one of the songs I remember, remember um, hearing uh, growing up, this is, the day the, this is the day the Lord hath made, and he hath made me glad. We need gladness back in our house. We need gladness back in the church. We need gladness uh, in our lives. If we want the world to receive Jesus, but we are not glad, Houston is a problem. The world doesn't want what you have if you only have what they have. We need to be different. We're glad. Because what the devil has means for harm, God means and can turn around for good in your life and in my life. And that is something that is learned, okay, through discipleship and through walking with God and the truth. Some people learn how to be mean. Some people have learned how to be pessimistic. Some people have learned to be negative about everything. And some people have just learned not to laugh. Hold it all in. But Proverbs 17 says, and I want to look at this from the message translations, a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you the phone tired. We need to learn to enjoy life. To enjoy the kingdom of God. To enjoy creation that he made for us. Learn, 
You need to learn how to enjoy the presence of God and the goodness of God, the faithfulness and the nature of God. And some of you are too tired. And some of you are blaming your age instead of your lack of cheerful disposition. Because it's your lack of cheerful disposition that has made you bone tired, not your age. Okay? He goes on to say, in the New Living Translation, a cheerful heart is good medicine. This is good medicine. This is a good thing. And I can spend a whole series on this whole idea of laughter. We need to have joy in our heart. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Not brokenness. Okay? So that's the second thing. The third thing I want to deal with this morning is cast your cares on God. Casting your cares on God brings health in our lives. The Word of God does that. Laughter does that. And so does casting our cares on Him. Most people would agree with what I just said. That we need to cast our cares upon Him. Because we know that the Scripture teaches that. But most of us don't do it. We agree. We agree that we need to. We agree that we should. We agree that... It's a good thing, but most of us don't do it. See, that goes back to my point earlier. We, we agree with what we heard, but we're not applying it to our lives. Just agreeing with it and doing nothing about it is not good enough. Okay? Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I love how Paul repeats himself, and this is not the only time he does that. Jesus did that too. It goes on to say, verse 5, that your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It goes on to say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, as I word guard again, your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Church, either we believe this or we believe this or we don't. And if we agree with it and we believe it, then we need to do what it says. Okay? But if we're not experiencing this, I'm not trying to condemn you, but and I'm not trying to offend you, but we need to yield to the Word of God. This kind of, point one and three kind of go together. Point one kind of goes with all my points this morning. Because they're all, they're all in the Word of God. But we need to cast on all of our cares, not just some, not just the big ones, and not just the small ones, not all of them without one thing that you won't let go. We need to yield to the Word of God. And we need to apply the Word of God in every area of our lives. Okay? And the peace of God will guard your hearts. I'm telling you that you need to guard and keep your hearts. Well, if you're not giving it to God, you can't. Because the peace of God is what's going to guard your heart, not you. I just said it was your fault. Your, your, I, did, I just said it was your responsibility. But how do you do that? You cast your curse upon Him. Say, the peace of God 
the peace of God is the fruit of the Spirit. The joy of the, the, joy of the Lord is the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God guarding your heart and mind will produce health in your lives. If your heart is peaceful, you're going to be healthy. If your heart is not peaceful, your bones are going to be dried up and your heart is killing you. And we need the peace of God. Well, how do we get the peace of God? We cast all of our cares upon Him. We bring all of our prayers and supplications to Him with thanksgiving, because His the peace of God will guard our hearts. The peace of God will not only bring healing to your life, the peace of God will make you to be a healthy person, walking in divine health. If we will do what Paul tells us to do in Philippians chapter four, we will be healthy. Not just physically, but emotionally, our soul will be healthy. Okay? Let's go to Peter. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all, and all means some, the top ten, <coughs> all your care upon him, for he cares for you. How do I humble myself in the issues of life? By casting all the cares on the Lord. See, because I believe he cares for me. When I say, I got this, that's pride. That's not casting the care. That's holding on to it. That's the exact opposite of this. He's God, not you. Okay? Most of us are carrying our own cares, and that's pride. And pride, I can teach this in the book of Proverbs, is a, is a snare. There's always a snare to pride. And when you, when you are saying, I got this, and you're not casting the care upon him, you're not making your prayers and supplications known to him, you're, let, you're, cat, you're letting them know, but you're, you're and see, this is a problem. I don't have this in my notes, but some of us are casting their cares upon God, and then we take it right back. No, you cast them and you leave them there. And most of us are not doing that. We pick it right back up. We bring it into prayer. We give prayer for it. Different things. But then we pick it right back up. As if we didn't cast on him in the beginning with. Okay? It doesn't work that way. Very next verse. Be sober. I'm not talking about alcohol. Okay? Most of us are intoxicated. With our cares. This goes back to point two, laughter. Many of us are drunk on our problems. Many of us are drunk on what's going on in the world. Many of us are in a drunken stupor over what happened to them. Many of us are in a drunken stupor over what didn't work. <coughs> Excuse me. Most of us are in a, many of us are in a drunken stupor. What didn't turn out the way we thought it would, when we thought it would. Many of us are in a drunken stupor over what's going on in the world. The world's going crazy. Well, Jesus, Peter, Paul, James, all of all of the apostles said that the world would go crazy before Jesus comes back. They also said 365 times, "Fear not." Okay. Most people are meditating on their problems. 
more are instead of meditating on the Word of God. They're feeding on the bread of the world through the news or whatever channel or social media instead of feeding on the Word of God. Or they're feeding on both. And we need to be meditating on the Word of God to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And when we're meditating on our problems instead of meditating on the Word of God, that is poison. Okay? And it is killing you. It is killing me. It's subtle, but it's killing us. Because I would say, be diligent. We need to be protect, proactive in our problems. Why? Well, Peter answers the question. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, whom he may devour. So we need to resist him. Resist him, step fast in the faith. How do I resist Satan? What does that look like? We resist him by being steadfast in the faith, casting the care, all of it, on the Lord. See, it goes on to say, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood, that's other Christians, brothers and sisters, in the world. The first thing the devil will say when you're going through a problem, no one is going through what you are. Why does he do that? Because Satan is trying to isolate you, even if it's only in your own perception in your mind. The devil wants you to think that your problem is unique, that your problem is different. Satan wants you, wants you to think that no one is going through what you are. Satan wants to think, you to think no one can understand what you're going through. And that tactic, my friends, is the devil. The devil's trying to lock you into that death. What I mean locking, the Bible says in Romans 8, 6, to be naturally minded is death. And when you are thinking carnally, when you're thinking naturally, when you're thinking the only, you're the only one, when you are isolated in your thoughts, that is death, and he's locking you into that. He's trying to lock you into that mindset, which is death. You're not the only one going through what you're going through. You need to know that. I don't care how unique your situation may be. You're not the only one going through what you're going through. And you might try to argue that point with me. And that, that's the devil talking. Okay? And you're not going to be the first one to overcome it by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. The specifics of your problem may be unique, but the principle of your problem is not unique. You can overcome anything by faith in His grace. Okay? Anything, you can overcome anything by faith in Him, in His grace. You just have to do this by faith in His grace. Faith in Him. You have to stop and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Pride says, again, I can handle this. Pride says, I'm in control. Pride says, I'm a strong Christian. I can do this. Pride says, I can fix this. I know what to do. Pride says, I know what I need to do. Again, pride is a snare. And it will eat your heart up. 
But humility says, this is bigger than me. I need God. I need his help. Pride says, I have a responsibility to trust God, to trust you, Lord. But humility says, I can't worry about this. I can't fret about this. I can't have strife about this. Humility says, I have a covenant relationship with God. Like David and Goliath, I have a covenant relationship with God. And I don't care who, who this uncircumcised Philistine is. I don't care how big he is. I don't care how young I am. I don't care I'm not even a soldier. I'm not even old enough to be a soldier. I don't care what's going on. I just know I have a covenant relationship with God. And how dare this uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God. I'm not only going to kill this giant. I'm not going to kill the whole army. And, and feed his carcasses up out of the air. Humility said, I have to cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. Only you can guard your heart. Yes, the peace of God is involved, but the peace of God is not going to be involved until you cast your cares upon him. And that casting your cares upon him is how you guard your heart because the peace of God guards your heart. And you're not going to have the peace of God until you cast the cares. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The two concepts don't contradict. They, they um, complement each other. Okay? Only you can keep your heart. Only you can guard your heart. The principles of the Word of God are the same for everybody. What I'm teaching, what I'm talking right now is really the law of faith. And the law of faith works for everybody, everywhere, every time. It's a law like gravity. Gravity is not just working here in America, and right now in India, it's just not working right now. People are just floating around. It doesn't work that way. The law of gravity works for everybody, everywhere, every time. The law of faith, the word of God, works for everybody, everywhere, every time. You have to learn in the uniqueness of your personal walk with God how to walk these things out. Because how I cast them on the Lord... In my personal relationship with God may look a little different than how you cast them upon the Lord. The principles are the same, but my relationship with God may look a little different than yours. The principles will never contradict this. But how I have a relationship with my wife might be a little different than how you have a relationship with your, your wife. Okay? You mind your business, I'll mind mine. Okay? And I see a lot, the reason I say that is because I see a lot of posts on Facebook about relationships. And they are just immature to the highest core. I want to say stuff, but I'm just like, hey, I'm not going to listen anyway. But my point is, we all have a personal relationship with God. The principles are the same. But how God and I, we, we chat, we might use a little different lingo than you do. Just because He's personal. And I don't have time to go into all that deeply right now, but you have to learn how to cast your cares upon God. That's what I'm trying to get to. Okay? When you learn to do this in the little things, it will help you to do it in the bigger things. And when you don't learn how to do the little things, you're going to have a harder time doing with the big things. Okay? Sometimes, this might require us to fast and pray. This is something I talked about a few weeks ago. To cast your cares upon the Lord. Lord. If you're finding that you're struggling and you can't just cast this baby on the Lord, you're, you might need to fast and pray, shut everything down, so that you can cast it upon the Lord. Okay? Fasting doesn't move God. Fasting will move you to cast the care upon God. Okay? Sometimes 
We need to some relationships to help us encourage us. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. That's the beauty of having a pastor. That's the beauty of the calling upon the elders of the church. If you're sick or if you have a need. Okay? Your body was not created to carry all the stress and worry most of us carry every day. And if you can't shake it, get some help. Excuse me. But if you can't, if you can't shake it, reach out to a pastor, to an elder, to the body of Christ. There were times I couldn't shake it. I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I should do. I, I, I should do everything I'm preaching right now, but there's just sometimes I was not able to shake it, and I needed to reach out to a pastor. I needed to reach out to someone in the church of the body of Christ to help me shake it. I needed to fast and pray until I shook it. Am I making sense? Okay, this applies to everybody. There's nobody, there's no pastor, there's no evangelist, there's no bishop, there's no apostle that, that, that they are, that they don't need to do this until the time. Every pastor needs a pastor. Everybody needs uh, the body of Christ. If you don't think that you need a pastor, the body of Christ, then you are a fool. Satan has you isolated. And isolation is a prime, a prime scheme, deceptive scheme of the devil. He has you isolated. And it's a snare. You need to get out of that snare. Okay, and so, so we talked about three things so far that brings health to our lives. I want to talk about a fourth one. No envy or jealousy. Having no envy or jealousy brings health in our lives. And this one will kind of go with point five, which we'll get to in just a moment. But envy and jealousy, they're almost twins. I call them twins. They're not the same thing, but they're very close. Being envious and being jealous, jealous are two different things, but they are twins. Just like twins are two different humans. They're two different people. Two different lives. Okay? Two different bodies, two different hearts, two different brains, two different wheels, two different everything. But they're twins, and they have some, a lot of similarities. Okay? And like identical twins, you almost can't tell them apart, but they are two different people. Am I making sense with that? But... So this definition is kind of my definition for envy, but it applies to jealousy too. Envy is that painful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another. Let me go that way again. Envy is that painful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another. And this definition works for jealousy too. Okay? It's painful. You've just been painfully aware that someone else is enjoying Something that you want, you need, or you thought you had. Okay? And envy and jealousy will kill you. We're getting a lot from Proverbs this morning. Let's go back there. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Man, we're talking a lot about bones this morning. A sound heart is a heart fixed on God. Soundness. Kind of goes with wholeness. That we talked about earlier, months ago in our study, but one of the benefits of salvation is having a whole heart. A sound heart is a merry heart. 
Can, we, do you think someone who's bitter is sound? Do you think someone who's depressed is sound? Do you think someone who's stressed out, worried out, fretting over something is sound? Okay, how about someone who's joyful? Someone who has the joy of the Lord in their hearts. Are they sound? Just because they have a joy of the Lord, does that, <coughs> excuse me, does that always mean they're not going through stuff? No. But they're not going to let it, take, they're not going to let it rule in their hearts. Okay, a sound heart is a merry heart. Proverbs 3.23 says, a sound heart is life to the body. We're talking about wholeness. We're talking about walking in divine health. Your heart being sound affects your body. Excuse me. And Proverbs 14.30 says, but envy, that's what we're talking about, is rottenness to the bones. Now that's the second time that word bones has come up this morning. We just changed the subject matter a little bit. And we already talked about your bones is where your marrow is. And marrow is what produces your blood. And this will affect your heart. And which will eventually, and which affects your marrow, which affects your blood, which will eventually affect your health. Again, this painful awareness enjoyed by another will kill you. If you don't guard your heart. If you don't keep your heart. If you don't cast your care upon him. If you don't learn to laugh. These, these five points are all intertwined. And we'll talk about this in a few moments. But you have to forgive people. Even your perceived advantage. Even perceived. Maybe, maybe your perception is just wrong. But you're thinking. And it's caught envy and jealousy in your heart. And again, if you can't shake it, get some help. Reach out. Don't let this fester and morph and kill you. Even preachers deal with this. I've known preachers who are envious of other preachers. I, I, can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. When Sherry and I met, we knew a preacher. I'm not going to mention his name. But he was very jealous and envious of any other preacher. Of anyone leaving his church. That's pride. And pride is a snare. Okay? James 3.16 says, Now where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. The sickness, because we're talking about healing, and we're talking about walking in divine health, sickness is an evil work of the devil. It's part of the curse of the law that we've been redeemed from. Galatians 3.13. Envy and strife are the wings of every evil work. <coughs> Excuse me. Many of, your, many of your homes are filled with strife. Some of your churches are filled with strife. But we should be strife. And if there's strife, there's every evil work going on in your church or your home or whatever that might be. Maybe your workplace. Maybe just your own mind. There's just strife and stress and worry. And I can spend a lot more time talking about this, but I want to real quickly, uh, before we close, is get to point five. The fifth, one, fifth thing that brings health in your, our lives, and it goes with point four, is being quick to forgive. Being quick 
to forgive brings health in our life. Because if we're not quick about it, we delay, then some sickness and different things, complications can come into our bodies and our lives. But we're quick to it. We're talking about walking in divine health. But we're not sick. But we need to be quick to forgive. We need to be quick to let it go. We need to be quick to be in the Word of God. We need to be quick to act. We need to be quick to cast all of our cares upon Him. So this quickness applies to all five. Who wants to be healthy? Who wants to walk in divine health? Well, you need to learn to be quick to forgive. And you need to learn daily to forgive those who have trespassed against you. You know, there was only one time when the disciples of Jesus asked Jesus to increase their faith. And that's when he was talking about forgiveness. In many ways, I've heard it said by Andrew Womack, it takes more faith to forgive someone than it does to raise the dead. Some of you could raise the dead a lot easier than you could ever forgive somebody or that one person because of something they did. And I understand, folks, that some things people have done to some, some of you are so deep. Some of you have been molested, abused, raped, and worse. And different things. I don't know if there's anything worse than some of the things I just listened listen. I'm just saying, there's some things that have happened to you that are just worse than that. And, but you need to learn to forgive them. Not just for their sake. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. You cannot walk in divine health if you don't learn to forgive. No matter what trespass, how evil and wicked and beyond wicked it has done. Sherry and I, there's some people who are in, our, in recent years who have done the most horrendous things I can even imagine to Sherry and I. And it ripped us to shreds. But we had to be quick to forgive. And sometimes we had to do that daily. We had to cast our cares upon him. We had to learn to laugh. We had to learn to let it go. And forgive those who have trespassed against us because we, he, we have, he has forgiven us who have trespassed against him the rest of the, the context of the Lord's Prayer. As a pastor, I see so many people self-destruct due to unforgiveness in their hearts. I witnessed many times as a pastor the slow death of marriages, families, and people's health due to lack of, forgi lack of forgiveness. And Hear me again. I know some of the things people have done have just been beyond wicked and horrible. But until you forgive, there's a slow death taking place. And that slow death can come into the marriage, into the family, into the church, into every area of your lives and increasing your health. Maybe the problem was in the marriage. Maybe the problem was in the family or a family member. Maybe the problem was a different name. Maybe the problem was you were diagnosed with something. Or whatever the case would be. 
But we need to, some of you are mad at God. Some of you haven't forgiven God. Some of you haven't forgiven yourself. And your strife is with yourself. Okay? And there's a slow death going on. It's been going on for years. Some of you have been going on for a lifetime. Okay? And you need to be healed, spirit, soul, and body. You might be whole on the outside, but you're not whole on the inside. And if you're not going to hold on the inside, it will eventually affect your health and your wealth and your relationships if you're not having already. And we need to get to the heart of the matter. You might get healed from the disease or sickness you have right now, but if you don't fix what's going on the inside, it will cause another damage. Because we haven't got to the source of the problem. The source is your heart is broken with envy, strife, bitterness, and offense. As people embrace offense and as they embrace unforgiveness I have watched that offense morphs into bitterness and that bitterness becomes a root that defiles them and some of those roots in some of our lives have been there way too long they are like a big oak tree now like a palm tree, the roots go deep. And the mercy God of God has come to all of us, and we've been forgiven so much. That's why I love Matthew 18. It talks about discipline in the church. But the whole chapter is talking about the mercy of God. And we need to know the mercy of God. And not lean on our own understanding, Proverbs chapter 3. But trust the Lord with all the heart and lean on our own understanding, and He will direct your path straight. Well, the whole chapter of Proverbs chapter 3, He's talking about mercy. He says, Don't bind His mercy on your neck and around the tablets of your heart. Don't let it go. And He leads into, Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on our understanding. And some of you can't, can't do. What we quote many times in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, because we have not put his mercy on our hearts. We've been talking all morning about guarding and keeping our hearts. Well, how do you guard and keep your hearts? His mercy. We need to have a revelation of his salvation, his mercy, his goodness, the cross, his grace, so that we can forgive those who have trespassed against us. Okay? He's forgiven us so much. Why we were alienated from God. When we wanted nothing to do with God. We spat in his face. We mocked him. We lived a life of sin. And some of us have still gone into sin. Even after we've been saved. He's forgiven us so much. And we can't understand how to forgive someone who's trespassed against us. No matter how big it's been. Until we understand how much he has forgiven us. By his grace and his mercy. This all ties back into months ago when we talked about the purpose of salvation, the necessity of salvation. Okay? God has been so good to us in his forgiveness to us that we can, by his grace and by his mercy, forgive people their trespasses, no matter how horrible they have been. You can't do this on your own. But you can do this by his grace, his mercy. And it takes faith. Faith in his grace. Faith in his mercy to do this. 
but we can't do this. We don't have to live in this offense. Paul, 2 Corinthians, says, For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to, to the test. Whether you are obedient in all things, now, now whom you forgive anything, I will forgive. Whether indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. And then he says in verse 11, <coughs> Excuse me. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The devil has a major weapon. And that weapon, my friends, is called offense. It's called unforgiveness. And it will kill you. It is so deceptive. It is so subtle. Okay? Hebrews says it this way. Looking carefully, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Many have become defiled by this root of bitterness. And how do we, we become defiled? We fall short of the grace of God. Okay? Because we're not being careful. Okay? How? Did they get defiled? Where did the root of bitterness come from? Unforgiveness. Offense. Or where did the unforgiveness come from? It came from offense. It started with offense. It led to unforgiveness. And it led to a root of bitterness that defiled them. We need to deal with our offenses. It's easier to deal with it when it's still at a fence stage than when it's come to a root stage of bitterness. You think you're punishing those you're mad at. But they're going on with their life while you're self-destructive. I know this because I've been there. Okay? Maybe I haven't gone through what you've gone through and you haven't gone through what I've gone through. And we can fight over that. But the principles of the Word of God are the same. Okay? They don't even remember what happened. And you are upset over something that happened 10, 20, 30, a lifetime years ago. And it's eating you up. It's poison. You can't find peace. You can't find rest. You can't let this go. And it's destroying your heart. Therefore, it's also destroying your health. It's destroying your wealth. It's destroying your relationships, and so on and so on. And I know I'm going to say some things, and I know some you have gone through some horrendous stuff. But some of you, but I got to say some things that I believe will also just help you by just being frank. Okay. And some of this has to do with one of the little things, but this does apply to the big things too. Just don't get offended at me. <laughs> okay? I should say what Dwayne Sheriff says, and you all repeat, I love Pastor Dave. Okay? So you got offended. Deal with it. Or it will deal with you. We all get defended. 
And some of you might be getting offended right now. Okay? We all get an opportunity, if you want to call that, to get offended. Deal with it. Okay? It's almost impossible to preach and not offend somebody as a pastor. I had more people offended over me over this, and I'm getting ready to go into a message talking about prosperity very soon, and many people are going to get offended about it. I mean, I know that. But I'm going to preach the Word of God. And no matter how hard I try not to offend people with my teaching and what I'm trying to do, you can take offense over anything, including what I'm teaching and what I will be teaching in the next few weeks. There are opportunities every day to get offended in the world, at the government, at society, at the dog, a neighbor's dog or something or whatever, this or that. Stuff happens. I'm not trying to be little stuff, but life happens. And some of you are like, I just can't believe they did that. Well, believe it. They did it. Okay? We got over that. Oh, there's all that. Get over it. They did it. It might have been bad. It might have been worse than bad. But you can't believe they did it. Well, you need to believe it. They did it. Now, you need to deal with your heart. Okay? And we're going to be quick to forgive. And we're going to let it go. I'm not saying we trust them anymore. I'm not saying we have to be with that person anymore. That's another story, and depending on circumstances, maybe you shouldn't be. But we forgive them. Doesn't mean we like them. Doesn't mean we approve what they did. Doesn't mean there should be consequences. But we need to forgive them. Okay? I want to go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, but I want to read from the message translation. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. Discontentment is a weed that will destroy your whole garden. He goes on to say in the message translation, a thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. We'll come back to that. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-time, short-term appetite. The Esau syndrome. Might not have heard that before. Well, thanks to the message translation, we got that. The, message, the Esau syndrome can destroy an entire local church. An Esau syndrome can destroy a family. It can destroy a marriage. It can destroy a business. It can destroy your life. He goes on to say, verse 16. Oh no, this, yeah, verse 16. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. We're going to watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy short term appetite. I've seen people trade the blessing of God for a short term appetite. I've seen people trade the goodness of God for a short-term appetite, lust to be angry at somebody. 
Because for the moment, you just feel good about being mad at whoever and whatever it is. Maybe even yourself or God. Because for the moment, you feel powerful giving them a what for. <coughs> and you just traded a lifelong gift from God. And you just traded a lifelong blessing from God. And you just traded a lifelong health from God. And the soundness of God. And you just traded a long line of merry hearts for anger. It's called the Esau syndrome. Okay? Because I'm going to say verse 17. You will know how Esau later regretted that. This is New Testament. Okay. You will know that Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. By then, it was too late. Tears and no tears. Some of you think I'm talking about works right now. Performance, not grace. Legalism. This is New Testament. Okay? Every time you get, every time you get offended, that's an impulsive act. And that's the devil knocking on the door of your heart to ruin your life and pop your back. And you need to learn to resist him, to Satan. And you need to learn to not answer the door. I mean, you know, there's some people when they knock on your door, you just need not to answer. He goes on to say, and you will not know how, I'm sorry, verse 17, how Esau later regretted that, that impulsive act. Remember how we've already established that your bone is where your marrow is. Marl is where you produce your blood. And this will affect your heart, which affects your marrow, which will affect your blood, which in time will affect your health. It's called a root of bitterness. But it starts with offense. It starts with that impulsive act of in the moment you're angry. And if you're not careful, you're going to let that offense turn into unforgiveness or will turn into a root of bitterness. And you might not have meant to. You might not have necessarily turned your back on God. But you are in the pathway of doing that if you don't, you're not careful, if it goes far enough. But, more importantly, in the moment, you're letting that root of bitterness fester and grow, that, seed, that, that, that offense goes to seed. And the Esau syndrome is kicked it in. Over this impulsive act. Because you're angry. You're, you're broken. You're, I mean, and some things, I mean, from a, from a civil point of view, from a natural point of view, I can agree with you. It's something to be angry about. Someone being raped, someone being tortured, someone going through that's something to be angry about. But you have to, by the mercy and grace of God, keep your offense from going to unforgiveness to going to bitterness. You have to deal with that. You have to cast those cares, those emotions, that offense on God. Or not only will the circumstance itself harm you, but that root of bitterness will destroy you. Okay? Because that root of bitterness 
is poison. Okay? And it will rob you. How many know the devil's out to kill, steal, and destroy? It will be like that seed has fallen on the wayside. The devil will come to rob you of the word of God, of the peace of God, of the goodness of God, of the project, of the healing. To be healed, to be whole, to be set free. To have to live a normal life now that your life seems to be ruined. God can set, heal you. God can get your life back in order. But you'll never get there with this root of bitterness. You'll never get there with this offense. You'll never get there with the Esau syndrome. That's what you're training if you're not careful. And it will rob you and it will kill you. We're talking this morning about walking in divine health as we conclude this teaching on healing. And what, welcome to health. Welcome to a life of prosperity, which we're going to be talking more detail over the next few weeks. And you need to learn to apply yourself to God's word. You need to learn to apply God's word to yourself. We need to make sure that you learn how to laugh and not take life so seriously. You need to enjoy your life, your kids, your spouse, each other, all creation. You need to go out and smell the roses. Make sure you learn to cast your worries and your cares on God every day. Make sure you don't allow any envy and jealousy come into your heart. And make sure you are quick to forgive. And you will learn to walk in divine health. This concludes my teaching on the benefits of salvation. Or, excuse me, this concludes, as we talk about the benefits of salvation, this concludes my teaching on the benefits of salvation and relates to healing. Starting next week, where we talk about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. And I know this is a sensitive topic for most people, but that's what we're going to deal with it next week. And hopefully, you don't get offended over me. As we just talked about this morning, so that doesn't lead to unforgiveness and, and morph into uh, bitterness. We get it and rob you. I want to bless you with this. And prosperity is not just talking about finances, but it doesn't exclude it either. But well, I'll talk to you more about this starting next week. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.